0: Thank you so much for joining the Faith Chapel podcast. Wherever you may be joining us from, we hope that you know that you are loved and that this message encourages you throughout your week. Hey, I don't know about you, but I really miss going to the movie theaters. I call this time BC, before coronavirus. I'm just kidding, that was cheesy. But I do, I really miss going to the movie theaters. And I remember uh, late, probably 2019, we were at the theater. We were getting ready to see the latest big film that was out, and it was busy. It was the holidays. It was, it was packed in there. And, and so I'm in line to get a refreshment, and I finally get to the front of this line, and I see the worker behind the stand who is just really having a hard day. She's really just struggling. And so I wanted to slow things down for her. I said, hey, how you doing? And she goes, fine. I said, that fine was mighty strong. And I leaned in as a tough day, and she goes, "You don't even know." So I wanted to play along at this point, and I go, "Tell me about it." And she goes, "Well, it all started when corporate came. Corporate came in, and, and you see those stanchions over there. They took the stanchions and they just moved them." I said, "You're kidding me." She said, "No." They just moved them, so now anyone off the street can come in and buy concessions. I said, why would they do that? But in the back of my mind, I was thinking, so you're telling me that business people with degrees on how to make more money came in and saw an opportunity to make more money? And I think if you would bear with me for a second, I think that sometimes in our lives, we have stanchions that God will move. And we get really frustrated not understanding the bigger picture as to why he's moving things in our life. Maybe your stanchion is a relationship. I was supposed to marry that person. Maybe it's a job. I was supposed to work that job. Maybe it's a car. I was supposed to drive that car. I dreamed about living that car. But the reality is is we have dreams that don't come to fruition. God seems to shut the doors. So how do you respond when God shifts things out of your life? Do you have the perception that he wants to maximize your potential? Do you understand that he actually wants you to live a better life? That he's saying, you know what, I'm going to keep you away from this. I'm going to shift things away from you, not to harm you, but to protect you, to give you a maximum potential for your future it's a it's a perception issue how do you perceive the world how do you perceive people i think perceptions are often reflections of what's in your heart so this morning i want to ask you what's in your heart what do you have stored up inside of here that's affecting the way you look at the world you can look at it like that lady behind the counter did it's just awful it's negative it's horrible or you can look at it as, you know what? This was an opportunity. This was a, this was a way for, for our company to, to make more. How do you view situations? How do you view people? Because the people that you probably are annoyed by, the people that you think are broken, are useless, are disgusting, you don't want anything to do with them, those happen to be the same people that Jesus came to die for. How would you view people if you knew that's how Jesus would view you. It's a perception issue. And when you alter your perception, you alter your life. So which way are you looking? There was a guy in the Bible. He has a great perception all throughout his life. And he also happens to have a really, really wonderful name. His name is, wait for it, Joseph. Great name, second best name in all the Bible in my humble opinion. And I wanted to read you some some backstory about Joseph. Starting in Genesis 37, we'll start in verse 2. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, and he brought their father a bad report about them, his brothers. Now, Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age, and he made a coat of many colors. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and they could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. Here's what he said to them. He said, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field. And when suddenly my sheaf rose above and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream, and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream. And this time, the sun and the moon and the 11 stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father, as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come down and bow before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. I want to talk to you on the subject today of what to do when your dreams get derailed. And I wanted to start by saying the quickest way to derail your dream is to tell the right dream to the wrong person. Joseph makes a critical mistake early on. He has a great dream from God. He just tells the wrong people. There will be people when you dream that will not like you for your dreams. I don't know why this is, but it is human nature for for people to not like others who have goals, who have aspirations. There's this little thing that dwells inside of humans that's called jealousy. And they start to feel it when the people who are around them are starting to exceed in their potential, when they're starting to exceed in their dreams. Be careful who you tell your dreams to. One of the quickest ways to derail your dreams is to share the right dream with the wrong people. And maybe the quickest way to know that you have favor over your life is to understand that the enemy is stirring up jealousy and animosity in the people that are surrounded by you. Joseph does not need to share this dream with his brothers. It is almost immature. It's definitely premature of him to do this. So many times I see Christians who get a dream and they're in their prayer and they they're so excited about this dream. They want to go. They want to do things for the Lord. They want to go. And so they take that first step and it's the wrong step. What happens? They start going down a road God never designed them to go down. And they're wondering about halfway through, God, why am I not bearing fruit? You promised me things. You said that, that life change was going to happen. You said revival was coming. You said all these things, and I took the step for you, Lord. What happened? He said, that wasn't the road I called you to. Look, the most important thing you can do when you get a dream is to nourish it. Pray over it, fast over it, much like we've done for this past month. Make sure you are caring for your dream. Be selective in who you tell about your dream. Make sure you are grooming your dreams. Don't give up on your dreams. Don't get down the road and say, This isn't what I thought it was, so it must not have been from God, and I'm just gonna move on to the next thing. No, 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 that's not who we are. We are not quitters. We want direction from God. We want to, yes, get a dream. That's the first thing. The second thing, we wanna make sure we have our direction. So later on in the story, Joseph's brothers plan to kill him. They're tired of Joseph, he's the annoying little brother. He, he is just too much. The brothers are thinking, there's 12 of us, so what if we, you know, kill off one? Let's just end it, and our lives are going to be better for it. And, and Reuben, one of the older brothers, he says, you know what, guys, we don't want blood on our hands. We don't want, let, we don't need to kill him. Let, let's just throw him into a pit. And, and so the brothers beat him up a little bit. They'd strip him of his coat, and, and they throw Joseph into this pit. Have you ever found yourself in a pit? Not literally, I'm, I'm talking figuratively for a second. Have you ever found yourself in a pit? Joe, Joe what are you talking about? What, what's a pit? A pit is when you're in the room, but you don't feel like anybody can see you. That, that's the pit. A pit is when you're asking yourself, does anybody love me? A pit is when you wonder to yourself, am I gonna make it today? That's the pit. A pit is when frustrating moments turn into frustrating years. A pit is when you get excited about the dream that God gave you, and you find yourself further away from when you received that dream. That's the pit. Joseph finds himself into a pit. And the Bible doesn't talk too much about what happens in the pit, but, but I would like to think Joseph does a lot of soul searching in the pit. I would like to think this is a moment for him where he actually matures in his faith while he's in the pit. I think Joseph, while he's in the pit, does a lot of praying. I think he asks God a lot of why questions. I thought I could trust my family. I thought you had given me this dream. I don't understand why we are in this place. It's dark down there in that pit. You got a lot of time to think you got a lot of time to hear the, the creaks of the pit, the drips of the pit, the, the, every little sound in there. It's scary down there. It's dark. Have you ever been in a pit? What I love about the pit is that while you can't look around, you can only look up. You can only look towards the top of the hole. Joseph looks to the top. He says, God, I don't know why I'm here but I'm trusting that you are going to be faithful to the dream that you have installed in me. And the story continues, and Joseph's actually sold into slavery by his brothers. And you might be thinking, wow, this this is going from bad to worse, but this is actually a turning point in Joseph's story. And Genesis 39, two through four. The Lord was with Joseph, So that he prospered. I want to stop right there and say, no matter what situation you are finding yourself in today, the Lord is with you. And you might not have thought, I I never thought I would be where I am today. Let me tell you something. The Lord has not abandoned you. He's still with you. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. And he lived in the house of the Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in the eyes and became his attendant. Favor. There's that word. Joseph finds favor with his father, and now Joseph finds favor with his boss. Favor is not found in where you are. It's found in who you are, and it has a tendency to follow you. Joseph's situation does not determine his perception. Joseph was not going to let where he was, he wasn't going to let all the bad things that happened to him determine his faith. He's saying, You know what, God, I don't understand this, but your plans are higher than mine. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to trust that you're going to pull me through. I don't need any fancy things to find favor. I'm going to bloom where I'm planted. I'm going to work hard for you. I'm going to trust that you have this. And let's go from there. With God, it doesn't matter who is over me, where I find myself. I have a dream from God and my focus is on that. My focus is not determined by my comfort. My faith is not determined by how I feel. I am going to serve God to the best of my ability wherever I'm planted. And then we see Joseph's betrayed again this time by Potiphar's wife. Genesis 39, starting in verse 6. Now Joseph was well-built and handsome. I think it just comes with the name. And after a while, his wife, his master's wife, took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns has entrusted to my care skip down to 11. One day he went into the house to attend his duties, and none of the household servants were inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. When she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and ran away, she called her household servants, said, look, this Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came here to sleep with me, but I screamed. I screamed. When he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. Down to 19, when his master heard the story, his wife told him, This is how your slave treated me? He burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him and showed him kindness and granted him what? Favor in the eyes of the prison warden. I love that word. There is favor anywhere Joseph goes. It follows him all throughout his story. I don't know how strong your faith is today, but if this were me, I would be pretty upset. I would think, you know what? I got through the worst of it. My family abandoned me. They traded me. They threw me into a pit. They beat me up. That's about as bad as it can get. I have since recovered from that and worked my way up the corporate ladder and I'm doing well for myself now only to be lied about again and lose everything. God, what are you doing? Honestly, that's probably how I respond, but not Joseph. What does it say? Joseph knows that the Lord is with him and again, he finds favor. It doesn't matter where he was, he was just going to do the work of the Lord. His calling was not to a person or to a place. His calling was wherever he was, that's where I'm gonna work. Wherever, wherever, he was, wherever how far derailed his dreams may have seemed in the moment, he was going, you know what? My dream and my purpose are two different things. I'm not gonna forget how to treat people in prison. And what does Joseph do? He starts going around to the people who are in prison with him. He says, hey, how you doing? We see this in Genesis 40, verse 6. When Joseph came to the prisoners the next morning, he saw that they were dejected. So he asked Pharaoh's officials who were in custody with him in his master's house, why do you look so sad today? He had just been through the ringer. He has all this stuff that we've already talked about happened to him, it's horrible, it's bad, no good. And he's going around saying, Hey, you okay? You good? What can I do for you? What's wrong? I think a lot of times when we feel like our dreams have been derailed, we want to sulk. We want the focus to be on us, we want the focus to be on what went wrong in our lives. Joseph's showing us, he's saying, you know what? I'm going to be the leader of this prison. I'm going to be the leader wherever I'm planted, whether it's in Potiphar's house, whether it's in the prison, whether it's in my family. I'm going to choose to lead. I'm going to choose to care for people. Joseph has joy in the Lord no matter where he is. Joy is a focus. It's something that we choose daily. It's not something that we just feel. So the people that he ministered to end up getting out. They go to Pharaoh one day as Pharaoh's really troubled and he's saying, I'm having these dreams and, and they're crazy and I don't know what to make of them and I don't know what to do. And, and these, these guys who had made friends with Joseph are saying, you know what? There's actually a person in your prison that could help you with this. Pharaoh, desperate, says, bring them to me. I'm willing to try anything. Let's make it happen. And and we'll start in 15. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream and no one can interpret it. But I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. I cannot do it, Joseph replied. Imagine that. Imagine saying, yeah, I'm sorry, I can't do it. The first thing out of his mouth, I I, I can't do it. Joseph, who has interpreted his own dreams, the dreams of his friends, is now being given a get out of jail free card. And he's saying, I can't do it. Watch how he finishes. But my God can. My God has the answer. I cannot. But let me tell you about my God. I, I, I cannot provide, but let me tell you who can. I cannot give you the answer. Let me tell you about my God. Let me tell you about my God. He has been with me through my family struggles. He's been with me through my low moments. He's been with me as people have lied about me. Let me tell you, every single time he's come through for me, and Pharaoh, he's going to come through for you. He's going to give you the answer that you need. So Pharaoh trusts Joseph in this moment. He appoints Joseph to second in command of all of Egypt. Joseph's saying, there's going to be seven good years, seven bad years. So they prepare. They, they have this, this time of, of flourishment and everything's going well. And, and, and then the famine strikes, the famous famine strikes. And what happens? Joseph's family, desperate as they run out of food, come to Egypt to receive from Joseph. Joseph has a moment where, with his brothers and he says to them, come close to me. And when they, had done so, when they had done so, he said, I am your brother, Joseph, the one that you sold here to Egypt. Don't be distressed. and Do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. It's the perception. It's the moment where where everything comes full circle. He's not saying, I I know you sold me out, but God was actually using you. God was actually sending me ahead so that I could care for my family, just as I said was going to happen. I knew you were going to come to me someday. I didn't know how we were going to get here. I didn't know my life was going to take the ups and downs that it did. I didn't know my dream was going to be derailed in the way that it was. But God did. I'm not going to hurt you. You don't have to be angry with yourselves. This was all a part of the plan. Friend, who do you need to forgive this morning? Who do you need to turn to and say, I know you sold me out, but it was actually not of your doing god was sending me into a new place so that i could provide so that i could be of service so that i could reach my maximum potential in life so that i could fulfill my calling joseph's living the dream every single day he's living this dream and it took turns and ups and downs to get there but he lived it ask yourself did they sell you out or did God send you to the exact place you needed to be? I want to end with this. Joseph has this, has this moment where he, he is, is about to, to have a child. He's about to give uh, birth. His wife is about to give birth to his son. And, and during this time, you would name your son. And according to the times... That that were abound. So they're going into a famine season. His son should have got a a faminish name, a pretty negative name. Joseph chooses an alternate route. He actually gives his name a meaning that is fruitful. Why why does he do this? He's actually prophesying over his son. He's saying, Who you are now is not who you're going to be. Son, I can just see it. Son, you have the right to dream. And I know this situation doesn't look good now, but you are going to bear fruit someday. Son, my life has had many famines and I am a living testimony that no matter what happens, God has used my life to bear fruit and he's going to bear fruit in yours. I want you to prophesy over your life this morning. I want you to say, no matter what, situation I have found myself in time and time again, no matter how bad my famine season seems right now, no matter how far off my dream seems from the road, God's going to use this for good. And we're going to bear fruit. I'm praying for you this morning that you bear fruit. Would you pray with me? Father God, we ask you this morning to guide us, to give us direction. God, I ask that you would provide people in our lives to to help us as we pursue you, as we pursue our dreams. God, we know that you have blessed us and in return, we want to bless others. God, help us bear fruit. Even if we don't understand the route that it's going to take to get there, we know that you are for us. And we ask you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for joining us today. If you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast. If you'd like to further connect with us here at Faith Chapel, visit us online at faithchapelsd.com or any social media platform at faithchapelsd. See you real soon.